soul asking for. If it's empty, God wants to fill. If it's full, God wants you to share. Either way, he has something to say to all of us. Sixty million calories. I'm probably at about eighty million and counting. <laughs> you eat all the time of the soul or uh, physically, but there are some times that are special. There are some meals that are memorable. Some that you can never forget, and some that you want to forget. How many of you have ever had a bad night out? Uh, Let me put it this way. The food was fine, but the meal itself was awkward to disastrous. Anybody ever have one of those? I am not alone. I did not have to look far for this illustration. It jumped into my mind. We had been here no more than two years, I remember, because the kids were babies. It was still a big deal to get uh, babysitters. And uh, some people that we were just getting to know invited us for a meal. And they said, we're going to go to uh, out, there's a fundraiser, it's fun, it's casual, you'll, you'll love it, come on over to our house. And so Laura naturally said, what am I supposed to wear? And I said, well, they said fun, they said casual, but it, we're going out, so I'm going to wear a blazer. And, and she put on, this is the age of that time, that there were these Laura Ashley frocks, just so bright and springy uh, and and so we get to the door, and we open the, uh, they open, the host opens the door. It's the, uh, the wife who uh, Laura, I don't th- know, had even met yet. And she's there, and she's in one of these little slinky black dresses that looks really nice. And I said, oh, that's great. Hey, great. And then the guy walks around the, the corner, and he's wearing a black suit and all dudeed up. And I go, oh, and they are, they couldn't be more great. Oh, we're so glad you're here. This is wonderful. Come on in. Our other guests are just about here and we're ready. And then the other guests come in and she's wearing a floor-length black gown and he's wearing a tuxedo. And, um, and I cannot turn around because if I turn around, I will receive that look which turns in to the movie Dead Man Walking. And... Uh, <laughs> We still talk about that meal. <laughs> Hi, sweetie. <laughs> ever, ever have a really bad night out? Jesus did. <laughs> it's the only thing Jesus and I have in common. Uh, in the story that Luke tells about Jesus, there are more meals than in all the other gospel stories combined. He loved the imagery of food. He, uh, he often combines these great feasts with a story. So the, the story of the prodigal son ends with a great feast. The Passover meal marks the highlight of Jesus' last week. Luke marks the resurrection of Jesus with the road to Emmaus, and at the meal, the downcast disciples look up and they recognize Jesus. It's at a meal. But sometimes the meal goes bad. And you can learn as much from that as from the other. This is Luke chapter 14. One Sabbath, special meal, one Sabbath when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. A man came and stood in front of him, suffering from an abnormal swelling of his body. 
Jesus asked the Pharisees and the experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they all remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. And then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath, won't you immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. One of my professors was a Jewish scholar, and he said, this is what is a problem for rabbinical scholars with this story. There is never a time when a crowd of Jews had nothing to say. (laughs) But it's an awkward silence. Nobody knows what to say. And in the silence, it says, when Jesus noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them a parable. When somebody invites you to a wedding feast, don't take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. And then the host who invited both of you will come and say, friend, give this person your seat. And humiliated, you'll have to take the least important place. But when you're invited, take the lowest place. So when your host comes, he'll say, oh, friend, move up to a better place. And then you'll be honored in the presence of all the other guests. The the phrase we remember is next. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. But it comes from a meal like this. Now, I can just see as Jesus is telling this story, everybody around the table going, well, I'm not, is, am I in the right spot here? You know, is he talking to me? And the host is next to Jesus. He's like, you get him, Jesus. It's embarrassing when people do that, isn't it? And just to make sure that the host suffers, it says next. Then Jesus turned to the host. And he said, when you give a lunch or a dinner, don't invite your friends or your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they'll invite you back and you'll be repaid. But when you give your next banquet, invite the poor and the crippled, the lame and the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they can't repay, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. By now, the meal has gone quiet. Everybody is offended. Except, it appears, for one person who who thinks they get it. Oh, you're talking about heaven. When one of those at the table heard heard him say this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet... He sent his servant to tell all those who had been invited. It's like a mom calling and saying, the princess party is tomorrow. Come on, everything is ready. But they all began to make excuses. The first one said, I've just bought a field. I have to go see it. Please excuse me. And another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The only one with a legitimate excuse. In Jewish culture, the servant came back and reported to the master, and then the owner became angry and ordered his servant, go out into the streets, into the alleys, bring in the poor and the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, I've done all that. There's still room. And then the master said, well, then go out into the roads and the country lanes and make them come in. Usually, at this point, he would be talking about strangers, non-Jews. Make them come in so my house will be full. And I'm telling you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste 
of my banquet. What are you hungry for? Well, if you're here, there is at least a small part of you that is hungry for a spot at this table. Why would, why would anybody miss it? Last week, we talked about how Jesus is the manna, the bread of life. And today, we're talking about the invitation to the table where you get the bread of life. How could they, how could they stand to miss it? How come the, how come the meal was awkward? How, how could we miss that special meal? Well, as I looked at this story, it seemed to me it's not that they were opposed to eating with Jesus or to the banquet of heaven. It's just that they preferred a banquet where everybody knew their place. We want to go where, where we know our place. That's not often, frankly, the head table, is it? I, I have a friend who's the head of World Vision. He said he was invited uh, to a special meal, and he sat down, and the President of the United States sat down. And then the Secretary General of the United Nations sat down. And then over there was Bill Gates who sat down, and seated next to him was Warren Buffett. And he turned around, and Bono sat down. And he said, oh, I know they're going to ask me to leave because I know I'm at the wrong table. And the next thing he thought was, wow. And the next thing he thought was, you know, I bet this is what the feast of King Nebuchadnezzar looked like. All the rich and powerful. And that didn't turn out too well. Remember this, Rich. Where is your place? When somebody invites you to your next wedding, don't take the place of honor. Somebody more distinguished may have been invited. And then the host who invited both of you will come and say, give this person your seat. Are you missing your place because you don't know your place? Laura and I have had the privilege for over 20 years of taking people uh, to Willow Creek to this global leadership summit, hundreds of thousands of people. We've hosted it here the last couple of years, but for years we would take 50 or 75 people down to Chicago where Bill Hybels and his staff have this great leadership conference. One year we're there, and we got there just a smidge late, and so we had to sit up in the balcony. And we are finding our places, and just across from us we see a bunch of folks from Bethel, Bethel Seminary. And uh, uh, we, we greet each other, and Leland, who is the dean of the school at the time, says, hey, did you know that Governor Plenty is here? No. He said, have you met him? Sure. No, never met him. He said, well, come on, let me introduce you. And we walked not down to the front. We walked up the steps to the back row of this huge auditorium and then all the way down to the end of the row, and there is Governor Pawlenty and his wife, Judge Mary Pawlenty. And we said hi and shook hands. And uh, Laura and I have been friends with the Hybels. Uh, we knew him before he was Bill Hybels. And so... Uh, so I wrote Bill a note. I said, I'm sure you know this, but uh, the new governor of Minnesota, Tim Pawlenty, is here. Uh, I'm sure you'd want to make him feel welcome. The next day, Bill sends a note back to Laura and me saying, hey, why don't you invite uh, Governor Pawlenty and his wife to come to lunch uh, at, in my office? And we'll get to know each other. So I walk back up the stage. He's in the same place, top row, back, up, tucked away in the corner. And I said, um, Governor, we don't know each other well yet, but uh, the Hebbles has wondered if you'd join them for a lunch with us. And, and uh, the governor turned a little white, a little pale. He goes, really? 
well, um, I'll check with Mary, and, and sure, we'd love to come. And so we, the four of us walked out there for lunch, and, um, and, and I was struck. I, I was walking with uh, Judge Mary, and uh, she's laughing. She goes, Tim is so nervous. When we make him wash the dishes, he listens to Bill Heibel's sermon tapes. <laughs> we get to the door, and uh, I... I uh, said, uh, Bill, this is uh, Governor Polony, Governor Polony, Bill Hybels, and uh, t- Governor, the governor's like, uh, it's such an honor to meet you. I, I just have learned so much from your uh, ministry. This is just a real privilege for me. And Bill goes, wait, wait, who's the governor here? And, uh, and then he looks at me and he goes, that's what I'm talking about. Now, I really, I'm not, this is not political at all. But uh, Governor Pawlenty tucked up in the back row, the top row of the balcony, uh, followed uh, a governor uh, who made sure that every time he came in, Jesse, every time he came in, everybody knew that he was there. And I kept thinking of this. Do you know your place? I told this story last night, and a, a woman uh, came up after and said, you know, I, I, I feel like I don't. I don't try to struggle to this. I don't need to be the center. I'm just glad to be here. And I said, I wonder if the message for you isn't, does the person next to you know that you're glad that they're here? We prefer a banquet where we know our place. I, I think Jesus then says there's a lot of people who, uh, who don't come to the banquet because we prefer a banquet that's on our time. That's sort of the, the core of this, isn't it? I'd like to come, but, but I can't come. Can I come later? Come now. Everything is ready. But they all began to make excuses. I had a spiritual director once who said, John, I think that the most important word for you in your battle with the evil one is not no. It's not saying no to God. Your most important word is later. What are you saying later to? I'll, I'll give more when we have more. I'll, I'll study more when I have time. We'll invite people, but later when we don't have such a crummy little place, I'll, I'll stop when I'm not so busy. Later means that it's hard to say Lord and later. And Jesus is saying When you don't respond to the invitation, either because you rushed by it or because it's not convenient, coming in our own time really means on our own terms. The invitation to this table is not just to come, it's to declare your allegiance, regardless of what time it is. My wife, Laura, does a great blog a couple times a week. This last week, she, uh, she talked about an experience she's been having. Uh, Laura has uh, been preaching at local churches uh, in, in the area, small Presbyterian churches that, that need help. And uh, here she is speaking at one of them, and, and here's, here's what she said. She said, looks pretty bleak, huh? Might have been 65 people in the whole congregation. The guy doing the slides forgot, and then he kept clicking forward trying to find the right place. I've been here before. There's usually a young man with some challenges who burps very loudly when I preach. 
They'd cobbled together my lapel mic so it fell apart right toward the end of my sermon. Good practice for my ninja-like reflexes. Afterwards, she said, I was expecting out-of-town guests for brunch at home. It's about a half hour, so I was anxious to bolt out the door at the end of the service. And, and, and she, then she says, afterwards, this is what I wrote in my journal. Jesus, you were there today in worship. And after worship, you came up to me and you awkwardly requested a conference. You looked like a crazy old man. Kind of like one of those mad scientists with wispy white hair growing in places hair is not supposed to grow. I'd talked to you before, and in my mind, I labeled you as a little bit off. And because I didn't recognize you, because I had to get home to prepare for guests, I said, I'm so sorry, I have to go. That's Minnesota, for I have more important commitments with people who are not crazy. And then you handed me an offering envelope and asked if I could send you my sermon transcript. And Laura said, after my guests were gone, I thought, what if it had been a famous person who stopped me? Would I have rushed off or would I have somehow made time? What if it had been Jesus? Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. O oh Lord, have mercy. Luke is telling this story because the followers of Jesus may suffer the same fate as the Jews in this story. They're too busy to join the party on God's terms. They weren't even called Christians yet. They were called people of the way, and they've come by the thousands to the party, so the tone is cautionary for people who feel in control. Are you coming on his terms at his time, or do you still want to have a faith and a life? You can't have both. You can't have control of your faith and control of your life. This is a declaration of allegiance. I love this line. I can't even remember where I read it. This line says, pride, pride is the great cloud which blots out the sun of God's generosity. God wants to shine the sun, but if we are too proud to stop, the sun don't shine. We prefer a banquet where we know our place. We prefer a banquet on our own schedule. And I think that Jesus tells the story because we almost all prefer a banquet with our own kind. Jesus is saying, who's missing? It's so important that Jesus says it twice. In verse 13, he says, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. That's buzzwords in Judaism for the outcasts. And you'll be blessed. Even though they can't repay you, you'll re be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And then later in the story, he talks about the master. And the master says, go out into the streets and alleys and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. None of these others will even get a taste of the meal. And they won't taste the meal because their idea of a banquet is eating with our own kind who's missing from the feast. Sometimes, um, sometimes you don't even know. I'm, I'm working on this sermon on uh, Wednesday, 
And Wednesday morning, I'm at home working, and I got to those places where the sermon was so boring to me, I knew it would be boring to you, so I knew I had to stop. And I had in mind that um, there uh, is a rabbi in town that I have for months been saying, I ought to reach out to this guy. I ought to reach out to this guy. And so I just got into the car and drove up to the synagogue and thought, I'll just see if he's there. And so I came in to the side door. The door is open. I come in. The next door is locked, of course, and there's one of those buttons. So push the button. The receptionist says, can I help you? And I said, uh, yeah, I wondered if the rabbi is in or if uh, one of his assistants uh, might be here. Uh, who is this? Well, I'm, um, I'm the Presbyterian pastor from down in Edina. Silence. And the door stays locked. And uh, somebody walks by and, and comes back, the door stays locked. But just, I'll see if the rabbi is here. Silence, I'm looking at the walls. A couple minutes later, the rabbi comes down and, uh, and, and lets me in. We walk uh, down toward the sanctuary, and he's given me that look that you give to people who buzz on your front door. That look that says, what, what, do, you, what do you really want here? And I said, no, no, I, uh, rabbi, I... I just feel like I needed to reach out, and I'd love to get to know you. I'd, I'd, I'd love to learn more about your community, and I'd like to have some of our people get to know some of your people. Wouldn't that be a good idea? And slowly he warmed up, and uh, we, he said, well, maybe sometime we could get together. And I, I said, great, and I, I took off, and, and, uh, I, I headed, and on the way home, I'm not kidding, on the way home, I said, like, oh, I forgot the reason that I went. And so when I got there, when I got back home, I typed real quick. I said, Rabbi, delightful to meet you. Hope we can make, the, make a lunch work sometime. Look, the reason that I came, I forgot. To, I should have said right away, the reason that I want to came is I, I wanted to say to you, my people want to stand with your people. The reason they wouldn't let me in the door is different. The doors are open here, but there's nobody trying to scribble stuff on our walls. There's nobody trying to splash stuff on our altars. There's nobody threatening us. They live with this every day. I, I wanted to say to him, we are with you. If there's a way that we can help, let us help. If there's a way we can get to know you, let us know you. We want to stand with you. We have um, over 150 folks who have said, we would love to help a refugee family feel like this country is their home. 150 plus of you have volunteered to tutor or to adopt legal immigrants as they come into the country so that they can feel that there's a place at the table for them. Not so that we will convert them, not so even that we will teach them, more that we will invite them into our lives. That's, that's what Jesus is talking about here. Otherwise, the table looks like it's just us. And sometimes this is dramatic, but I gotta tell you, a lot of times, I think it's much more subtle. I was, I was reading a book the other day and thinking, I think it's a lot harder than we realize to be a single mom in this congregation, to be a single person at all. Do we make them feel like they are part of the table or do they have to hang back? I um, listened to Matt's sermon. Matt teaches at the table on Sunday nights. This, this last week he told a story um, about uh, the rich and, and the poor, and he used one of my favorite authors. His name is 
Gustavo Gutierrez. He's a liberation theologian. And uh, he had this great quote from Gutierrez. Uh, the quote uh, says, you love the poor, name them. Not give them money, not hold rallies, get to know them. You love the poor, name them. I love that. But I got to tell you, I think that in an age where we are so, let's do this, let's do that, there is almost a new Pharisee among us. The, the new Pharisee, the ones who say, I want to get to know those people. The new Pharisee's temptation is reach out to the others, as long as the other is or looks different. And frankly, to be pretty self-righteous about people who look like us, but have different politics, or have a different sexuality, or different economic backgrounds. We become experts at saying, welcome to this table, don't get too close. The problem in our society is as much to do with not having relationships with our own so that we can have relationships with people who are not our own. It's a big table. God wants you at the table this morning. If you're not here, it's like a child missing, like, like you've lost a tooth and you're always feeling for it. That's, that's how much God misses you. So God wants you to come and know that your place is near him. He wants you to come, not on your time, on his time, and his time is right now. And God says, instead of looking for your own kind, why don't you reach out to the needy around you and invite them in too? Then the feast will be complete and God's joy will fill up like when you see your kid walk through the door. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this table where the feast has been set. I pray that we'll know our place. I pray that we'll come at the right time. And I pray that we won't just be here with our own kind, but that you will invite us and we will invite others. And there will be joy and laughter, healing, and a sense of being loved. Give us that life. Remind us that on the very worst night of your life, on the very worst night, you ate with the people that you loved and even the people that didn't love you. And, and you took the bread and you broke it and you blessed it and said, this is my body for you. And you poured the wine into the cup and said, this is my blood, the cup of your salvation. So that when we eat this bread and drink from this cup, we remember your feast. We proclaim your death until you come again. Feed us the bread of life. Help us to share it with others. In the name of your Son, our Savior. Amen.